Welcome to The Lowdown, KMXT's new daily show dedicated to giving you the up-to-date information we have available on the COVID-19 outbreak and how it's impacting life on Kodiak Island. The Lowdown will focus on the facts as provided to us by local and state officials. During the show, we give you access to local officials and experts on COVID-19 and community actions related to it. If you have questions for our guests, please email them to lowdown at kmxt.org or call KMXT at 486-3181. You can find a list of upcoming guests on our Facebook page or on our website, kmxt.org. Audio from each day's program will be posted on the website. Good morning. Uh, welcome. Thanks for tuning into another Wednesday medical edition, Doc of the Rock of the Lowdown. This is the day of the week we've reserved for keeping up to date what's coming out, going on in our medical community. We've covered a wealth of topics in past shows, but there always seems to be new things to talk about, particularly today. If you have questions, you can email us or shoot us a, a call, 486-3181, and we'll try and get your question answered uh, before the end of the show. In the studio again, we have Dr. Steve Smith from Providence, Dr. Evan Jones from Canna, Dr. Curtis Mortensen from the Kodiak Community Health Center, and Elsa DeHart from Public Health. Morning. Morning. Good morning. Uh, that was an interesting way to start the show today. Um, getting a call from the ESC. You folks have been probably pretty heavily involved for the last day or so, huh? Yeah, we've been busy. Been busy. Since yesterday, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so tell me what's going on. Well, I think you heard the um, Emergency Services Council, Mike Twingy, this morning announced it, but we had a traveler come to um, Kodiak hoping to spend the summer in a great adventure here fishing and uh, did all the right things, um, wore their mask, went to quarantine straight from the, you know, as soon as they got here, went and got tested the next day per the mandates and was tested positive. So it was an asymptomatic case and went straight to isolation. So um, everybody did everything right and it really went pretty, pretty smoothly. But uh, yes, we do have a, a case here. Perfect storm. It seems like a, a, this this appears to be um, every day we're seemingly getting new case numbers from around the state, um, particularly in some of the outlying communities that have fishing attached, and then in our our main hub city, Anchorage has lots of numbers every day, um, and now we have the. the the mandate for quarantine going away on Friday. So how concerned are you all? I do think that's a, a little bit premature when we have a lot of people traveling in, in at this point. Um, it's the best way to protect the citizens of Alaska is to say, hey, you, you need to you need to hunker down for a couple weeks. And I mean, an alternative could be that you come in and you quarantine for a week and then get tested at the end of that week, um, I feel like if, you, if you're trying to c cut down on the burden of hunkering down for two weeks, I get it with tourists coming in that it's more difficult. The other thing they are offering up is you can get tested within 72 hours of getting on the plane, um, but it has to be a PCR test. It's our, our Abbott laboratory would not qualify for the test they're requiring for that. 
And so to me, uh, in the lower 48, those are a little tougher to get. Those are, they're, they're still tough to get the uh, PCR in a timely manner. So you have to have the test within 72 hours of leaving. Well, it often takes 72 hours just to get the results back. So it's, it's kind of a, a tough mandate at that point. Um, so in my opinion, I, I think I'm somewhere in the, I, I, I seem to always end up somewhere in the middle where I feel like, you know, you quarantine for a week and then get tested would be a, a nice way of doing things. I think, you know, we're even on our own clinical side, you know, trying to figure out like policies for our own employees, you know, with in this regard, like, you know, uh, at this point, we've kind of been going with the 14 day quarantine, you know, if people have to travel out of state, um, then that's what we've been doing um, for them. So, you know, regardless of what the state says, we're still trying to figure out for our organizations what we feel the best about. And um, I, I'm kind of in the same boat with with even in that, you know, the 14 days is is a pretty significant. I mean, that's that's a pretty significant amount of time. And we realize that that's that's burdensome for people. And perhaps there is some middle ground here with with our increased testing capacity in Kodiak right right now. Is there some sort of middle ground that we can come to that would, um, you know, minimize risk and not force people to be out 14 days? Unfortunately, you know, the testing, even if we get tested like you're testing every single patient at the airport, I say patient, every person <laughs> that comes off the planes at the airport, you know, who said that they, you know, won't have a, the, the viral load is different, you know, even if they had already contracted the virus at that point, there's going to be a certain amount of false positives. So it, there is false no oh, false, yeah, false negatives. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so um, there's, there's no perfect system for, you know, a hundred percent effectiveness. So it's really trying to minimize, minimize what that would look like. Um, and, you know, I think that, Elsa could probably speak to it, you know, also is, is just this idea of if, if even if, no matter what we do, the idea of if you're having, if you do develop symptoms, even if you had a negative test, even if you've been quarantined for 14 days, if you develop symptoms, then we still need to, you know, address those, you know, each, each and every time, not just kind of hang on a negative test that we had at one point in time. And I know from Providence's standpoint, as of last week, and it's continued is, any employee um, they're electing in for the Alaska region to, to hold that really restrictive 14-day quarantine so if you travel out of state for non-essential business like vacation and you come back in you are not seeing patients whether you have a mask on or not for 14 days and we just you know and then in light of the I think everybody's aware of the Providence extended care facility which is more of a it's not a it's a transition care for somebody who doesn't meet the acute need in a hospital but they're not quite ready maybe to go to their home they just need more physical therapy what that kind of service um, before they can maybe make it back to their own home and that's different than the extended care nursing home facilities which are really um, tightly controlled so there's more influx in those transitional and and so I don't look for Providence to loosen that 14-day re restriction for anybody who traveled out of state no matter how critical their services needed um, in light of that so the the person can we talk about the person who tested positive 
Well, I mean only in general in terms. In general terms. There, yeah. Okay. You, the person is asymptomatic. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they were tested with a PCR test or with the rapid test? Well, they were done with the rapid test. In the rapid tests, we are more worried about um, negatives than positives. You know, um, really the positives have been really good about being positive. They found a virus. We worry more about them not finding the virus that might be there, you know, in a negative test if, if there's not a whole lot of virus there. So um, a positive is a positive on those. Um, we feel much much more certain about that. So you now there's a PCR backup to verify the no, positive. No, we don't really verify positives because the, because finding that virus is finding that virus. So we don't really um, worry about backing that up. We do send a swab off just to get you know. So they're doing some testing, and I think maybe you were talking about it last week, or someone was the different strains that they're finding across the country you know like this one may have come from here and that one there so they're uh, in the background they're still kind of doing that, those epidemiological studies so that's why we would send it to the lab so that they can start to look at, at where that you know what kind of strain is this are we seeing the same strain everybody you know who there's just a lot of that background that goes with that um but but a positive is a positive um if you found if the virus is found you know it, it was found. We just worry more about a negative being inaccurate because it may not have picked up picked up the virus. To my mind, in a perfect world, you would test somebody when they got here, and then they would be in quarantine for two weeks, and then you would test them again before you had contact with the population. Because now, if somebody's asymptomatic and comes into the community and tests, and they test negative, then they're off into the community without a quarantine. So if the symptoms then develop later, they're symptomatic and spreading the virus through the community, right? Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's the worry. And I think that we saw that with that factory trawler in Seattle where everybody was tested and then they shipped out and then they landed up with 86 cases or something on the ship because, because the positives started popping up after they were out to sea. Um, it is a worry. I don't think, except for doing the quarantines, that's, that's the... Uh, so how do you balance that? That's, mm -hmm. the, that's always the big question. Well, it is the big question. How, well, what, how do we deal with that? I mean, in other words, is it inevitable then that it's going to get into the community? I mean, I don't think from this case. I think this case is very well isolated, and I wouldn't anticipate, um, you know, spread. But, but we could easily have other people who have come into the community in the last couple of weeks. I mean, we have 100 people a day coming in or more. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so it's absolutely possible. And this, this just kind of emphasizes why you want to be careful when you come here and do your social distancing and wash your hands and hopefully, you know, um, stay home if you're sick. I mean, I, I, I guess I think that we all agree is that um, there's, there's not a, a perfect solution minus like if you're going to test every single person every single day, you know, which is, is not going to happen. We just don't have that level of, of testing and probably never will at, at that degree. But, um, you know, so I, th I think that there's, I feel like we come back to this every week where I'm just like, there's a few things that go, don't go out of style, right? Like, you know, the social distancing, the good hand hygiene, the mask wearing, all those things of, of uh, are, those never leave in, in a situation like this. Um, and then I think that 
if if people have the ability to do the quarantine, that is like great, right? You're you're pretty much protecting everybody by doing that, and and it's also from a uh, you know you don't necessarily have to do any testing if you're doing a 14 day quarantine, you're pretty pretty safe there. But the um, you know these in between measures of trying to like see if we can decrease the quarantine by the testing we have. Um, they all have a little bit of error in them. Like there, there's, there's room, there's room for error in there. But the question is, is that room worth taking to allow people to get to work faster and, and you know, those type of things. And so these are all judgment calls that we, um, different organizations, the state is making judgments, different organizations are making judgments, individual providers are making <laughs> judgments on this. And, you know, I don't think that there is a, a perfect thing. It's part of the thing that is really difficult about this virus is if you look at when the viral loads are high and when people have symptoms, if they have symptoms, it's highly variable. And so it just makes it really difficult to come up with kind of a one size fits all uh, solution for it. Even if we were to say the 14 day quarantine is the golden standard, we've had patients who are shedding virus for 37 days. Mm-hmm. And so there, there is no solution that we have besides everyone stay home and don't do anything that, that is going to keep 100% safe. As, as I've said before, life is inherently risky. Um, and so there, there is no perfect solution. I thought the, the, the weak quarantine, so that if the person is going to develop the virus, they have a high enough viral load, and then testing them was probably an, a, a good solution to decreasing the quarantine period, but it's obviously all of these have their flaws. Yeah. If, if you do look at like a lot of there's, there's a lot of these, uh, we're getting a lot of data now from both China and, and New York and, and different areas that have had, you know, much higher rates than we have had. And if you look at both the viral load in people at different times during that, and also symptoms, you know, it does seem like that seven to 10 days seems to be like some, like, pretty good like you're going to catch the vast majority of people if you're able to like if you did have that period like that and you tested i think it was like 80 percent at seven days and 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 90 percent at at 10 days in in one study um and so you know that still means there's the 10 to 20 percent that you potentially could miss out but like you said you you're there's you're never going to get a hundred percent you know in any of these 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 ways so it's it's basically how much risk are you willing to take for for you yourself or or for your community right the there's been a number of questions about the availability of tests when we first started it was call your provider have your provider write you a script then tests may or may not be uh, available to you as if you were symptomatic they would give you a test then as testing became more available um, it was uh, easier to get, but you still had to go through your provider. N- now it seems like you can get tested almost on demand. Is that right? It's pretty close. Um, we still want you to call one, one of the <coughs> clinics because these results have to, somebody has to be responsible for the results. And so the reason we want you calling your provider is it comes back to somebody and they're able to say, you know, the buck stops here. I'm going to be responsible for whatever the results are. Um, if you drive up to the tent um, and you're not connected with a provider, it makes it a little more difficult. So we still ask that you call your provider first. They'll put an order in. The results will go to the right person who knows you. And it, and it, frankly, you know, even if you've never been to KCHC or Canna, 
doesn't matter. Just give give us a call. We'll get it arranged. Um, and you'll be able to t be tested if you're worried about it. So I, is it true that Canna is has more capacity in this regard than the anybody else? I mean, do you, you have more testing kits available? Yeah, I'm, we've, we've gotten in a large number of cartridges that go in the Abbott uh, machine. We're now up to five Abbott machines, three of them functioning right now, two of them are being calibrated. And so, um, but, you know, even with this, I mean, how many does that bring us up for the city? Yeah, so we have two. So. Eight, and we have ten, two, but so one's, one's functioning. We're supposed to get the Cepheid testing units in um and then you have to always have the testing supplies and and it, it's we're still we don't have enough supplies in this community to test everybody so you know what's the cephid test it's just another um company that makes a, a machine uh instrument for testing um you know abbott's one company and this is the other brand and i'm not sure i haven't seen the data to which is more um sensitive but it's another process that we have it's so, still it's still in the rapid category so it's not like the pcr which is a the more definitive test so as i, I recall the these abbott machines you can do like one an hour right uh, it's, it's about one every 15 to 20 minutes yeah. well one Okay. So you say an hour just for a person because you have to go and sure. sign in yeah. and have the swab done and you know all that kind of stuff so i mean your visit might be but I mean, hour, but it, the machine itself runs pretty quickly it's it's a good point though that, mm -hmm. that we're limited to about three or four tests per machine per hour and so if we're getting a hundred in in a day even with all the machines in the community cranking it's going to take a while to get through a hundred tests yeah. So we talked about, well, why don't we test everybody who comes in on the airplane? Well, it'd probably take about five hours to get everyone tested before they left the airport. And that's, that's the long wait waiting to leave the airport, yeah. so. And then they may be positive the next day. Right, could be. That's, that's the uh, hard piece about this. So from the airport point of view now under the, what's supposed to come out on Friday, <clears throat> if a traveler comes into to the state, they have to prove that they had a test or be delayed at an airport, which I'm assuming is going to be somewhere in Anchorage before they come here. Is that how it works? I don't think we know yet. Um, the logistics, you know, I think we're all kind of, I think that's why it hasn't quite come out yet maybe is because trying to figure out those logistics, you know, is it going to be when people get off the plane or is it when they come out of the concourse? Because are they going to come out of the plane and then get on the plane to go to Kodiak or Nome or Fairbanks? Um, I mean, I don't, I think it's just the logistics of it aren't clear yet, so. And it seemed to indicate that you could alternatively quarantine for 14 days, but if they're checking in Anchorage, I. And then there's no way to yeah. see that people are quarantining. Yeah, it's a tough one. It, yeah. I, I don't know. I know that they want to try to find something to make it so that we can have some of our tourism back. That's the point, but. Um, the idea is good, but I think the practical aspect is going to be a little more problematic on on where you test these people, and and that pre coming to Alaska test is the PCR test that or even talked about earlier, and so it's not a you can't go get a rapid Abbott test and then 
submit that document and say, oh, look, I'm negative. So I'm not sure how that's going to work for coming below. Plus, I'm sure a lot of those states have, they may not have availability mm -hmm. either. But, you know, the idea is good is we're trying to somehow allow more travelers so that we you know, can get some boost to the economy. So grandma's in Louisville and wants to fly up to Kodiak to see the, the grandkids. You know, they're then going to try and go in Louisville, get a test done beforehand, and then fly up here. Uh, and and you're you're in the community then with no quarantine. That's also, what they're saying. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen the final guidelines come out, so yet. I don't. I don't think we can speak to exactly what it's going to be. But that's sort of the idea. But I mean, and it may be difficult in many places, as it may be here, to obtain a test if you're asymptomatic if you're asymptomatic yeah. Yeah. just because you want to go take a trip i mean you know people may not be willing to use their resources limited resources for um for you to visit your grandma. okay so yeah. we got this perfect world that happened yesterday where we we uh we we caught this person um if if you're a fisherman or you own a set net site for instance and and you want to bring in a crew person in what's the protocol somebody would then go through to try and bring that person in and get them safely you know out to their site i mean if you could the perfect thing would be to have them come into town and quarantine for 14 days before they go anywhere and you know maybe even have a test at the end of that quarantine time which is what a lot of the processors are doing for people um you know i mean that would be the perfect thing but you know having at least having them people being tested before they go out and hopefully being aware that those while you're out there you would still want to be careful because maybe you did bring somebody out who was um, positive it's sort of like I know a lot of workplaces now are like allowing people to come in to work but they're behind a closed door in the office you know and they can't talk to anybody that that kind of thing I mean, not as, as stringent but, um, and watch your crew you know yeah I got some very specific questions about testing. Um, if testing is available to us as a community or to somebody who's bringing somebody in, it sounds like the only test available to them is the rapid test right now, right? That's that's not fully true. Um, so we we do have a testing capability both through our commercial labs. So whichever commercial lab we have, Quest. I think Canada has LabCorp. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure that Providence has has the ability to do that too. Um, so you, there's commercial tests available that you could you could do. They would just take longer to come back, right? So like you you do the swab, you have to send it to Seattle or wherever that lab is, and then it takes a you know a day or two for a turnaround time. And so um, you know that's one way. The other way is the state has a lab. The state has a lab that processes these, and um, they are available too. Although I, it sounds like they're quite overwhelmed. At right the moment, it yeah. sounds like they have way more um, specimens coming into them that are they can process in a day. And so, um, you know, these are options for people. The problem is the timing. And, and the timing is so crucial, you know, because if, if you're going to say, hey, it's going to take five days for a lab to come, my test to come back. Well, then you're almost halfway through your quarantine, you know. And so it, it's it's a little and that lab is for, that is from five days ago, you know, yeah. so you're kind of um, so the ability to rapid test is 
is pretty helpful from a timing standpoint. Um, but you do, there are all these other options. We also have, we talked about antibody testing a few weeks ago. Dr. Kohler has antibody testing. It has its own set of issues. Um, uh, Canada also offers antibody testing, and we do send lab samples off also. So if, if you had your option and you wanted to get a test, would you opt for the rapid test? If you, you went into a provider and said, I want to get tested today, or I have a, a, a relative coming into town, your recommendation would be to go get the rapid test or to take the plunge and I get invaded by the giant. <laughs> so the best test is quarantine for at least 14 days. And then get tested. Yeah, or you've met the 14 day, 14 and days. so, so that's the ideal situation if you could pick it. Which test would I choose? I would probably go for the PCR because it's more accurate. Um, well, I mean, I, I will say that like when we're sending, when we're doing our rapid tests, we are sending a sample to the state for PCR testing afterwards, um, and that's like I said, the like. Elsa said the, the main reason for that is for these negatives is, is to see if there's any sort of significant mm -hmm. false negative rate with those rapid tests. And so far in our state, been there's bad. been very few. Yeah. They've actually really jived pretty closely. Um, and I think that on the call that I was on yesterday, I think they said like, you know, there's only been out of thousand, over a thousand tests at the state lab, there's been like a few, like it's less than 1%. Like, yeah, like less yeah. than 1%. And the same thing goes for like any false positives. There's only been, I think they said, one or two cases where we had a positive test on the rapid uh, test and then negative on the state test. So they've really jived very closely. Um, so, but if, if you, I guess in, in our community, if you get a rapid test, you're going to get the state PCR test as a, like, as a backup for that either way. Um, well, so. And they kind of say that the, the, the positives, though, that they've run, that they're, they think mostly those were degraded in transit, you know, from having been pulled again. So um, it's just the rapid, they can pick up such a small amount of, of virus. If, if I were so. to do it, I, I would go for the, I'm not patient enough. I want the rapid test <laughs> so I know right away. So I know the PCR is, is, is the gold standard, but, you know, I, I just want to know right away. And I know it's a good test. There's been a lot of questions about it, but it's a good test. Mm -hmm. And so I would be happy getting the rapid test. Wouldn't bother me a bit over, or, you know, I wouldn't consider it that inferior to the PCR. Gersh, did I misunderstand what you said? I, I, I sort of heard you say testing, the quarantine takes, would take precedence over testing at all. That testing is really not necessary if you put somebody in quarantine. I, I would if if you do a fourteen day quarantine, I don't think there's really that unless you've developed symptoms during that time. There's really no reason for testing at that point. And that's I would agree. Okay. And we figure a case is resolved when somebody has been asymptomatic for at least three days and ten days since they developed symptoms. So that's when we figure that they're safe if they've been infected. So um, that fourteen days is is. So as an employer, that's the best thing to do. So if you're going to bring somebody into town, keep them separate for 14 days, and then if they're not exhibiting any symptoms, say, okay, you're free to go through our community. Right. And there are options. I know that some critical infrastructure people, like maybe um, 
somebody who was flown in specially to do something. I mean, they can come in and just only do be in their quarantine and maybe go to their work site and work, you know, away from everybody, you know, clean everything off and then go back to their quarantine site. So, I mean, there are some, so it's not like you, you know, I mean, there are some ways to make that happen while still keeping everybody safe. Um, because it is a it is a balance there. Okay, we have the this follow. Where where does somebody get tested if they don't they don't have a relationship already with a provider? You're saying call one of the providers anywhere. There's not a walk up place to go and get yourself tested. Now, doctor Doctor Kohler can get it arranged. KCHC can get it arranged. Canna can get it arranged. I'm sure Doctor Creelman could get it arranged too, but I I don't know specifically. And well, so all of us can can get you arranged. Steve, you were mentioning, though, when you were on an Anchorage trip last week that there's signs up through the community where there's... So over by um, Alaska Native Medical Center, there's a sign that says free drive-up COVID testing. I I didn't exercise that option, but, but I noticed that that sign was, was there. So uh, if, for travelers coming into the state, then, if they had to get a test, it, it may be available somewhere before they came over here. Uh, yeah, sounds like it. I'm, I don't know the logistics. And I think Providence is now, they have a drive-up testing tent. But I, if I remember right, they still require some provider referral. And part of it's because you need that, you need somebody to follow up on that test who's you know, a healthcare provider so that we don't have all these tests going out with, and then all of a sudden a week later we got, geez, we got all these results. What do we, we don't even know how to find somebody or who to have find them. And on the backhand side too, there's always, you know, who's ever doing the test, ha those machines came down from somebody and there's some, are, you know, some reporting like we are using these things that you're giving us, um, you know, these are where they're going, that kind of thing, um, just some accountability there's so there's lots of reasons that people need to at least you know be kind of not necessarily registered but they have to have the the demographics in there to uh, not only know where to tell them and follow up with them but to report back to yeah i mean so like tests. if if we run a a test like if 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 a if there a patient is tested at the testing site then all those tests are then being run at either canna or kchc the two places where they have the rapid machine and um, and so, in order for us to be able to even run a test and put the results in our system, we need to have at least some information about that patient um, to be able to do that. And so, you know, there's logistics there that that require some registration and things like that. Okay, I'm gonna. You're generating lots of questions here today, so I'm gonna try and get through the rest of this one. Um, do you? As I understand it, the mandate is going to say you can't fly unless you have a, in your hand the, a negative test result. Or you can opt for uh, getting tested as you get here and, and staying in quarantine. So, um, so is there value to be getting tested before you get on the flight? Or is there more value in getting tested after you've already flown someplace? It's it's a tough call because yeah. like like I said, this PCR typically, which is what they're requiring, is a PCR test. It usually takes three to five days to come back, and it's not because we live in Alaska. 
it just takes three to five days to get back. Well, if this test has to be done within the last 72 hours and you have to have a piece of paper in hand, I'm not sure how that happens. And if you get tested on arrival, does that mean arrival in Anchorage or Kodiak or at your home? Or what, what does that mean? It's not clear enough to, me to, to make a true recommendation on what's best. I'm not sure where we're at with that. A more recent test is better in my, in my, I mean, the, yeah. the, the more, the more true to closer to the time you're at, that that's, that's a better test. And so I think that the one on arrival probably means more to yeah. me. Yeah. Okay. Anybody have any idea about the cost of testing of somebody? Well, I know that quest is like $196 if your insurance would pay for it. But I think that um, both the state machines and Canna, that there's been some support for those to do for no cost for people that... I don't want to speak out of turn because I kind of, I, I kind of uh, tend to not worry about that part of things as much. But um, I, I believe that the testing, because of the way that we've received the machines and, 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 and things through the, like, both, both Canada and KCHCs are federally qualified health centers, um, I think that the testing is free, I believe, but I, but I'll have to, I, I don't want to speak out of turn on that with it. Maybe I can come back next week and okay. talk more about that. But I believe that the actual test testing, the testing is free. Is, but there may be some associated, but, but I do believe that they, yeah, there's been a lot of support and at least there are some mechanisms for um, Medicaid that is paying for some of these testing for people that don't have insurance or don't have um, any ability to pay so that I know that there is some backup there. Um. So when you guys are doing your demographic information for your testing that would go through the tent, do you even ask that? I mean, you, you want to know who somebody is and how to contact them, but is that even a, like in the emergency department, we, that financial information is not asked until we've done a screening exam, seen the patient by law. We, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm not saying we don't care about that, but I think all of us are interested in providing the care and then sure. let the bean counters worry about the cost. Yeah, I, I just got a message from the bean counter who said yeah. that testing through for through Canna is there's no cost associated with it. Yeah. That insurance would right. be billed. There we so, go. There, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, and I just got a text. I just got a text from my office saying that the, the test is the test is free. Yeah. There you go. Well, there you go. And I didn't check. My However, <laughs> I don't know if you I know. Have a job so it's now. not. I mean, it, there's no cost to the client. I mean, you know, that that's the there is a cost. There's no cost to the client. But I would say, like, you know, for patients, you know, patients that are doing a visit. So, like, to this point, what we've we've required is we've required like a, at least a telehealth visit to talk to our providers about like you know some of the things we just talked about like the limitations of testing and the fact that this doesn't necessarily mean that if you develop symptoms that it, you know could be out of date tomorrow if you develop symptoms and those type of things so to this point we've we've uh, you know at the community health center have required a telehealth visit to at least discuss some of the pros and cons of that testing before we actually order the test and you know so those things would 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 have a, a charge attached to them uh you know not even though the testing might be free and i think that telehealth interview is is actually really important because you can emphasize to the um, person that hey even if it's negative it's not a perfect world and you still have to 
wear your mask, do social distancing. So I think there's a lot of use in that. Okay, let's go into this. Um, big day for us, the Tustamina is just pulling into town right now. Um, so there's questions about what percentage of incoming travelers are showing up to be tested, and in regards to the Tustamina, do we know if anybody on the ship is being tested before they get on board? I know they changed some of their directives yesterday or the day before in regards to marine highway system. Um, if is testing required in regard to the Tusty? You know, I'm, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I, it would be actually not a bad uh, place to have an Abbott ID machine because you have a, a little bit of time to run all those tests. You could, you could test everybody on it, much different than the airplane, I guess. <laughs> True. As long as it's not a too rough a ride, right? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So do we have numbers yet about, you know, percentage of people from the airport that are being that are coming in or do, do you have a lot of is there a lot of people that are actually coming in and requesting the, tests i don't think they're i don't know that people are requesting i mean even to probably see the most of those people because yeah. they've been the so, most so open i gotta tell tell you that people on their own i i will just i'll, I'll applaud our local businesses a lot of them have approached us and said hey we've got a group coming in that we'd like tested and they call us, they give us names and date, dates of birth, and we check them all. Uh, your, your, the, your local businesses in here, here in town have taken this very seriously. I can't speak about individuals. Um, I don't know. I mean, we have probably 100 people coming in a day on the airplane. And I have no idea what the percentage of individuals coming in. But the canneries are testing people. I've had several of the fishing lodges say, hey, I have a group of 10 coming in. I'd like to have them all tested. I've also had other groups say, hey, we're going to be going out to our fishing lodge and nobody's going to be out there except my workers for two weeks. Is that okay? And I'm absolutely, that's, that's fine. You can quarantine in place out there and do your work of mending nets and uh, whatever needs to be done in the remote fishing sites. Um, but I, I will say that I can't t speak for individuals. I don't know the percentage there. Yeah. So I know that um, we were um, on a call. We were actually uh, talking with the EOC yesterday. Actually, everybody in this group mm -hmm. was. And, um, um, you know, we talked about there's other communities in the state that are testing people at the airport, but you know, they're not mandating it, but they're just, they're just, you know, recommending it or offering it. And um, they, I was trying to get a sense of, of how many of the, I was interested in, in what Mike was going to find out about that, mm -hmm. like, in Bethel and in Nome to see how many people they were actually were actually accepting that as, as something they were going to do. So the other thing, I've, I've heard a little discussion here in the community, and we should have talked about it earlier with testing. People are a little scared to come and get tested because the, the early tests we were doing the nasopharyngeal, we put a swab back to your brain stem, basically, <laughs> and uh, check that. Now we're having you swab yourself, and it's kind of an anterior nares swab. Still, They've found that this is still a very accurate way of checking it. Not as uncomfortable as it might have been in the past. So if that's holding you back, if you're worried and that's holding you back from getting tested, understand that it's a little friendlier test now, and you're doing it to yourself, so it's a little more controlled now. Maybe not at the hospital. You yeah, guys? I bet they do. Uh, we, we do the testing. Oh, they still yeah. do the brainstem <laughs> test. <laughs> so, Mike, I was thinking about your the question about the testamina, and one of the thoughts I have is 
because of the ferry schedule, those individuals who are on the Testamina have already been waiting some amount of time. A year. Well, <laughs> yeah, so that's a pretty good quarantine. But, but, no, if you think about it, even if they drove up from the Alcan and met the Canadian, you know, by the time they've made it to Homer, there's been a fair amount of time. And, and then it's probably also people in Alaska who are on that ferry. So we have a little, it's not like air travel where, you know, you're in Seattle and then you're in Kodiak maybe the same day. So I, there's probably a little bit more opportunity to pick up symptomatic people just because of the time got, it takes on the ferry. Okay. Um, I got some questions. I'm going to go through this one first, and then these other ones are all sort of related. Caller was in a restaurant to pick up uh, takeout food the other day, and none of the food preparers had masks on. Um, they're calling in regards to uh, what the mandates are in regards to restaurants and people wearing masks in restaurants. You know, it's been a a point of conversation with EOC and everybody. I mean, I absolutely agree. You know, um, I was in a restaurant the other day and it was packed with people and there were only two of us with masks in the whole place and everybody was slammed in there. I was like, boy, I would hate to do the contact investigation hmm. on somebody because we waited a long time, you know, a while in the line. Um, you know, all of the businesses in town did submit mitigation plans and they did all that, but you know, when the governor kind of reopened everything, he left it pretty much open. There is no, um, you know, it's really unfortunate. It's kind of our businesses take on that responsibility to make sure that their people and their patrons are, you know, um, being as safe as possible. And uh, well, this was the green check mark thing, right? Where yeah, the mitigation plan was, yeah. and but then it changed right away and relaxed everything from 25% capacity to 50% capacity to full capacity and all the hand-washing stations and the masks and everything sort of went away. It was at the business owner's discretion, right? Right. And so that's what I'm saying. And so I would be, and I've seen it on Facebook a few times, people saying, where can I go to eat today that they're going to be following the protocols that they, you know, had said they would follow? So, um, you know, we changed, went from mandates for many of these things to advisories, and um, it's really up to your business community. And so it's it's a pressure from the community, too. I mean, if, right. if people um, feel strongly about it, then, you know, they should pay attention to that. So, in other words, what they saw was not counter to any mandate. It was just counter to their personal preferences well, to whether or not it was a safe place to, to go. To the advisories, I think that the advisories are still to do social distancing, you know, mm -hmm. to wear our masks, you know, to try and stay within our bubbles, you know, of people that we know. Um. Okay, so that leads into this, which is, I got a, a, a nice uh, little comment here saying it's it's swell, some lo so many local people, processors, skippers, business people are being considerate and wearing masks. It appears a hundred or more new people in town um, are with hundreds of new people in town. Most are unmasked and not distancing. And as a high risk elder, I find this to be particularly distressing. How can we address it? Um, 
stay away from me and don't give me big hugs and kisses. (laughs) 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 That that leads, you know, I just got back into town. I thought it would be a minimum. There'd be some some definition of quarantines. There's not at the airport. There's not a a lot of people. There's a lot of people milling around without masks on, uh, not being six feet apart. At what point does quarantining start? Obviously, it's not at the airport. There's a big hole there, it says, and there's no information available. And how do you define what you mean by quarantine? Because some people feel like they can still shop, and some people think if you're quarantined, other people should shop for you. So that's kind of a... That's kind of an interesting question because there are two different levels. We have quarantine, and that's more when you are staying at home pretty much except for you could go to a medical appointment or you could do something urgent like you know if you really had to be masked up and go and do your social distancing and maybe get food but really staying at home and hunkered down whereas isolation means you're not going anywhere and you're not seeing anybody pretty much unless you need to go to the hospital um people need to you need to be people need to bring you food you're just totally you're isolated um and so that's a little bit of the difference between quarantine and isolation and isolation is what we're asking people to do that have confirmed right, cases. Confirmed case. A confirmed or case. Or, or they are a close contact to a confirmed case. And then quarantine is what we're requesting people to do just out of precaution if they're coming in from out of state or those type of things. So what does that mean? Can they go out and about? Or if you're quarantined, are you not isolated? So I'll, I'll go back to what we've discussed before. This is a pretty wide open place. I actually would be okay with people who are quarantining, just not socializing. Mm -hmm. Can they go for hikes? Can they climb mountains? Mm -hmm. Can they do stuff like that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Can they go to a party with all their neighbors? No, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, And so to me, quarantining doesn't mean staying in your house for 14 days. It does mean keeping uh, contact with others to a minimum until that time period is up. Could you go to a store and stay six feet away from somebody? I think you could wear a mask and go to the store and stay six feet away from people. If you're in quarantine or isolation? No, if you're in quarantine. quarantine. But isolation means no. We will, somebody will find a way to get you the food you need and uh, make sure that's part of public health job is anybody that is isolated because they're either an index case, you know, or is a close contact, we monitor and talk with them every day. So how do we educate people in the community that are new that aren't following what, you know, the masking protocol or the distancing protocol? How do you educate people like that without, you know, creating a problem? I mean, I think there's, you know, certainly signage and and, and public messaging, um, you know, is, is I think important. I haven't been out to the airport recently, so I don't even know if there's anything like that. But I think that the miss the missed perception, like the, 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 the challenging part is all these mandates came down, which is not necessarily totally inappropriate, but like the, the thing, even in the mandates that said that it's like the restrictions have been lifted, even in those restrictions, it says, please, it recommends doing all these things to try and prevent transmission. And I think that Unfortunately, the message, I think, to a lot of people, um, and maybe it's kind of because they wanted to hear this, is that, okay, everything's lifted. We can just go back totally to normal, uh, you know, and, and I, I think that that's, the, that's a mistake 
in in kind of I'm not sure how like I said I'm not sure exactly how to correct that I'm not a PR you know um, you know professional in that way but certainly putting it out there and I think that people you know people tend to if if, if there's a lot of people wearing masks people tend to wear masks and I think that the opposite when they see people not wearing masks they'll be like oh I guess we don't need to do that it's the um, there's a certain amount of of community like if if there's a lot if there's like a critical mass I feel like that once you kind of reach it it's like okay people it's like it's what you do versus you know I feel like we've really kind of uh, shuffled the other direction since these mandates were lifted yeah if you go to Safeway now and I'm, I'm it's confession time I've gone there before <laughs> gone there before and realized oh shoot I don't have a mask and I've gone in and grabbed stuff uh, typically I'm wearing a mask in Safeway but if you go in there, the majority of people are not wearing masks anymore. And I think a lot of it, there's been, a, I see there's a lot of Facebook posts of people wearing these hazmat suits and, and these advanced filtration systems. And they're saying, this is what it takes to um, protect yourself from a virus. People wearing these surgical masks are sheeple, you know, trying to say you're blindly following stupid things. It's not. Uh, you you are correct. These don't filter out viruses, but it does prevent you from giving it to other people. Um, it is it is self centered of me to go into the store without a mask and uh, get stuff that I need because I, you know I'm a medical provider. I'm a higher risk than the average person. Um, it's it it is thinking about what your comfort level is and what your needs are more than the worry of spreading the disease. Right now, I mean, the disease burden in Kodiak is very low. I mean, we know that it's a, a very low chance of spreading it, but there's a, there's a high likelihood somewhere over the summer that's going to change. And it may change in a matter of days where it'll start spreading very quickly. And you may be just like this person who came in on the airplane and have zero symptoms. And if you're walking around without a mask doing your normal thing, we, we discussed the case just a couple of weeks ago. One person in a matter of two and a half hours of contact spread it to 53 out of 61 people they were in contact with. One person. You could be that person for Kodiak. It's a tough one to figure out what's, what's best. And I think there are simple things like just wearing a mask when you're in public places, when you're, when you're out in the store and stuff. It, it's not a crazy thing to ask. And, and I even see these stupid Facebook posts about Oh, it increases carbon dioxide and decreases oxygen. Guess what? Everybody in the hospital is wearing them all day long, and they're probably wearing a higher filtration rate. And so far, none of the hospital employees have died um, from asphyxiation. It feels like it. When I'm wearing an N95 mask, if you've ever worn them before, they're rough. But it's uncomfortable. But you're fine. You're going to be fine. Um, I, I do appreciate protecting people around me and I take, I understand I'm a higher risk than many people. I'm going to continue to, even though I hate wearing it, I hate wearing a mask everywhere I go in the hospital. I hate wearing it in the store. As soon as I get out of work, I pull my mask off. Um, but while you're in public places, I still urge people just wear a mask. It's not that big a deal for 10 minutes you're in Safeway. And I think Evan's exactly right. I mean, it's, it's kind of what you can do for everybody else you know and, and one of the things we can do is try and protect other people there was a question about I'm a little bit higher risk I 
fear even going to the store because I might be infected by some asymptomatic person. And so we owe it to, to everybody to try and protect those around us. Uh, you know, the comment about, you know, you have to have the full PPE and Tyvek suits and everything to fully prevent getting the virus. And, and that's right, but that's when you're in very close contact. When I'm six inches away from a patient, because we have to do that close contact care, we have to have a higher level of protection. But when you're out in public, these masks and washing your hands and keeping six feet or a fathom apart are perfect. Actually, it kind of falls in. There was there was a, an article that was released by um, a professor at University of Massachusetts mm -hmm. uh, regarding kind of the dynamics of uh, transmission. And, um, and we've talked about this a bit, but it, it even goes into like how many virus particles are in each droplet and how much, you know, it, it, it kind of breaks it down pretty significantly. But as we've talked about, you know, it seems like the droplet, the respiratory um, path of transmission from person to person is much more significant than even the, I know that Steve wipes down his card every time, and that's probably a good idea still. But like in general, it's this respiratory droplet uh, transmission that mm -hmm. is the most significant. And, and so, again, the, the ways to cut down on that, I can only spit so far when I'm talking to you. That's you know, why so, I'm so, over here. Yeah. So trying to get that far <laughs> away and then trying to decrease the amount of droplets that are, and, and a mask is an effective way to do that. And so, um, you know, I, th I think that those, those things are, are really important measures in kind of in public. Um, the other thing that I think that, and Elsa could probably speak to this, is just the amount of time you're spending in a close room. Mm -hmm. So like a behavior like um, just breathing is a pretty low risk behavior. But the act of speaking, especially speaking forcefully or singing or, you know, things like that, like those are higher risk behaviors that expectorate more of, of, uh, of uh, droplets and, and more virus. And then the other part of it is just, you know, like I said, being in a close space. If you're in a non-ventilated space, even very low risk activities can become a little bit higher risk because the more there's more droplets even in a small space just with breathing um, if you're really close to somebody. So... So what we consider a risk is really being within some six feet with somebody, kind of without our masks, um, talking to somebody. For the CDC kind of says 15 minutes, we tend to go more towards 10 minutes. So we're looking at 10 minutes talking to somebody within six feet for that extent, at least that extent. That's what we're talking about, extended time. So it's not super extended, but without masks. That's kind of what's considered a close contact within during that, um, you know, symptomatic period or, you know, the infectious period. With the mask on, is that what you're no, saying? No, I'm saying without masks. Without a mask yeah, on. Without a mask. With the mask. Even I mean, you could, you could talk to somebody within six feet without a mask and be pretty safe, you know, and not really be too worried about being in close contact if you both have masks on. Okay. Yeah. Are you involved at all in what... Ann has been talking about, about uh, travelers, the access of, of uh, the new apps that are out now for testing. Have you followed that? I've seen a lot about it, but I'm, you know, I'm not in on all the details. It's very interesting. Some of the things they're doing in other countries, you know, they even have apps like they have things that'll tell people's temperatures if somebody near you has a fever. Um, then there's some that like you register that you've had it and then that people can know if they've been within six feet. I don't know that Alaskans are ever really going to buy into that too much. Mm -hmm. I think for no. a little bit, um, you know, but they are in some countries, you know, Korea, um, I think China, you know, some of these other countries that have much more um, uh, impressive governmental control, 
definitely have those opportunities. Um, kind of right. like kind of like the Tinder stuff, you know, where they, you know, you're, there's somebody here and somebody here and they're close to each other. And <laughs> don't don't go there. Really? Right? <laughs> <laughs> How do you know about that? Because I do public health. <laughs> okay. I, I was more specifically talking about the one where she, there's, there's an app that she posted a link to that um, allows you to find a testing facility oh, wherever okay. you are. You know, which I think could be invaluable for somebody that has travelers coming <laughs> coming That's up. That's a whole different kind of animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I don't know about that. And I know that it's it can be really hard to find testing because I tried to find testing for somebody in Anchorage. Um, you know, somebody who had a loved one in Anchorage who was sick and trying to find testing, and I was not successful because you know they tried to go and they had to have a referral and they don't have a provider and they don't have this. You know, and, and it's still. It, I think right now with Canna has just really made this great for our community. And ANMC and Anchorage has done the same, where they have really pretty easy, Fairbanks has it too, where you can drive through and there's somebody there who talks to you and evaluate your symptoms or whatever, but you can do it right there at the drive-through, you know, um, so. Just to be clear, that's Canna and KCHC, and KCHC working KCHC. together. Yeah. 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 But do you guys have an app? Uh, <laughs> I think work on, on that. the app because I made sure Kodiak stuff was on that <laughs> yeah. app. So no, that's they, actually they a really good there. idea. Yeah. But mm -hmm. so I, I do have an answer to an earlier question that I, I want to. Uh, Mike Pfeffer did text me. Uh, he said uh, that it's about fifty percent of travelers arriving in Kotzebue, Nome, and Bethel that are choosing to be tested mm -hmm. on the okay. airplane. So it is about half the passengers are being tested. So it's a voluntary process yeah. yeah i mean that's pretty good yeah, i mean, I mean that, that's that's <laughs> almost like higher than i'd expect Me just too. because they're gonna have to wait i mean i'm assuming they're waiting at the airport for that result and yeah i don't you know, know the details that on that yeah yeah um let's just close with a one case to me seems like um like almost a good thing right now um it's it's not like we're never going to keep this out of the community, but I think that there's a tendency to sort of run through a roller coaster and relax a little bit. Now that we have confirmation of another one, doesn't it seem to you that it's it's easier to get people to be aware of things and, and take it a little bit more seriously? Well, I hope so. Yeah, w once again, we're... we're I mean, we, we've been talking about flattening the curve, and when it's essentially zero, it's kind of hard to flatten. Mm -hmm. um, but with one coming to the community, we don't know. Maybe there's 10 others who came in uh, who, who chose not to, to get tested, and we just don't know. Hopefully, they're, they're quarantining and making sure they don't have symptoms. But I, I couldn't tell you how many people are here now. I think a lot of us were a little bit worried about lifting all the restrictions at the same time we're having a large influx of seasonal workers coming in too um, and so it is a little bit uh, worrisome with that but if things go as well as they did with this person i feel i feel better about it and that this was caught right away um, and this person was doing all the right things and as long as people continue to be responsible like this i, I think we could continue to delay the entry of this into kodiak is it going to come someday yeah, it's it's probably going to get here probably before the vaccine, if I'm to be honest with you. It's probably going to be here before the vaccine, but if we can get it in numbers of one and two and three, 
and keep it under control and just be careful one another, I think it'll be much safer for our elders than if we have a widespread outbreak in this town. And so understand if you're if you're if you were at high risk and you came in recently and you think maybe I could be a carrier, give us a call, get tested. Is it perfect? No, we've been saying it's not perfect, but it's pretty darn good. Um, and so I would much rather you come in and just get tested and we have a, a little more clarity on the issue and a little more clarity on how many people in the community are affected by this. And for those who are really worried, like some of the high-risk people that had called and said, you know, I'm worried to go to the store, people aren't masking, we do have that community support group that will bring people yeah. groceries, that will help people, you know, manage that. And just so reach out. Um, that's a great service and it helps people stay safe. So even though the community is opening up a little bit more, those services are going to continue because you you're involved in this the conversation about, you know, the load on the community when we collectively the 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 powers that be have to start thinking about whether or not things have to pull back a little bit, right? I mean, wh what kind of do, do we do you even have a target number? I mean, here we have one new number. If you get six new numbers, do we then say, boy, we need to go back to phase one? I mean, we've thrown out a lot of numbers and we've talked about this successfully. I really think that, and that's everybody working together. It's all these guys, it's EOC, it's emergency services. So if we have a case like this that's very isolated, that's great, you know. If we start seeing cases popping up all over town that we're not quite sure where they came from and they're not isolated and we have tons of contacts, then that may be a time yeah, to, to um, hunker back down. Um, People visiting is is not as nearly as big a concern to, to us as community spread. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that raises red flags to me is if this is being spread within our community, especially if it's outside of the same household. Mm -hmm. If somebody came in and gave it to their, their wife I, I get it. It's still within the household, but if it's spread, spreading beyond the household, that gets very concerning yeah. to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if we kind of have it popping up all over, no real links to people, you know, then we know that it's really out there in the community, and that would be a, would be a concern. Okay. Um, Steve, what was what was you know you had some fascinating observations about what it's like now in Anchorage, and since most of us probably haven't been there in a while. <sighs> Well, Anchorage is, you know, in the past when you would go up there in June, number one, you couldn't find a rental car. If you could, it was 300 bucks a day, and I think it was 55. <laughs> um, but it's it's just, it's like a ghost town. There were almost more moose on the road than there were cars. I mean, that's a little exaggeration, but, you know, Walmart parking lot in June and July in the past would have tons of big motorhomes and there's nothing. I mean, the big movie theater on 36th Street is boarded up. It's, so it's it's really, a, it's it's even less than wintertime up there. I mean, it, and I think for the most part, people were sort of trying to keep their distance. I mean, I, you know, Fred Myers, there were a lot of people wearing masks. Costco, there weren't as many people wearing masks, but um, it's, and there weren't the number of cars on the road. I I, I could see so, the yeah. And the airport concourse at, at Ted Stevens there in Anchorage is like there's nobody there. Now it's it's really unusual to walk into a place that you're used to bumping shoulders with people and 
they're not there. Does that mean it's it must mean it's it's like safer, right? Well, yes. I mean, certainly there's less um, close contact to people. Definitely. We are lucky here in Alaska yeah. that there aren't as many of us, and we are able to spread out more. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, you see all those businesses that were in the airport, the restaurants and stuff, and half of them are closed down. So there is a, a huge economic impact and uh, for Anchorage and the whole state that we're trying that we're going to be trying to recover from. Okay. Well, we'll uh, I, I did have a, a reminder here to uh, to mention again the community service phone number. You know what that is off the top of your head? Well, it, you can call the um, EOC, which is 486-8970, and they have people there that will put you in connection with those people. Okay. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, it should be an eventful week. Um, Custy's in town. People are starting to come into town. We have a new confirmed case. Um, we'll see what happens by next Wednesday. So I appreciate your time again for coming in and talking to the community. Got a lot of good questions today. Thank you for uh, thank you. Thank you for Thanks keeping for people us. aware. Thanks. Have a good day.